Today I get to interview Lily and Blaine Kosek, former teachers, which is obviously near and dear to my heart, who have pursued a life of freedom, again, the reason we're doing the show, and have built a really solid portfolio in a very quick amount of time, over 20 rentals in two years, and then managing and, and establishing 40 others. So guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you also love mindset, which is another, another great thing to talk about, but let's talk about the transition from teaching to portfolio. How did you become aware of this, and then how did you take action? Well, it was uh, scary in the beginning, you know, leaving a very secure teaching job and um, having the, the guts to, I guess, do that. It wasn't easy. But um, we, you know, we kind of felt, or at least I did when I was teaching, that we needed something else. Like we were kind of stuck. And I just kind of pictured myself in the next 20 years doing the same thing, being in the same exact spot and um, real estate you know, it was something that we had kind of talked a little bit about, started reading books, typical, you know, rich dad, poor dad kind of got us going. And then, you know, we just decided, like, let's give this a try. And I started out by getting my real estate license first and kind of working as a realtor uh, with clients. And that built us up some extra income to eventually kind of get the ball started with the, uh, the portfolio side of our rentals. Yeah, and then we we kind of also bought a house that we completely decided to demo ourselves with the help of Blaine's dad. And at first that seemed like a great idea, but this was like a complete gut rehab from the inside and outside. So we really, it was like a live and flip situation. So we worked in it, um, had two kids under two in it, added a, an extra bathroom and, you know, all the things that, that you do, a huge island, ended up looking really beautiful. Um, but that kind of got us a little bit excited because we really learned about the construction end of investing and, you know, how you can take a fixer upper, you know, whatever house you can afford. That was what we, we could afford at the time and make it our own and make it really beautiful. And we did. And so then when we were starting to talk about investing, it was just something that kind of came natural to us about, um, you know, the creative end of it, too. Well, that house really jump-started us too, I think. Mm -hmm. So we, what we did is after we had rehabbed it, we got a home equity line of credit on it, which is people call HELOC. And then once we did that, we were able to take out actually $110,000. And we used that money as a down payment on three more properties. And then when we, when we did that, we were rehabbing those properties and ultimately rented them out, refinanced, and that is called the Burr, pro uh, Burr, Burr strategy. Um, so yeah, that really helped us scale pretty quickly. So you were doing the Burr and the HELOC in conjunction with each other. The HELOC obviously is the money method that you use to Burr. So, but now you have three rehab projects instead of one. So <laughs> yeah, point, you guys are teaching, right? Both teaching at this point? Or yeah, we were still teaching like, and I was a realtor at the same time. So yeah. And this was at the cusp of COVID. So we we had our tenant move in like weeks before the shutdown happened. So we moved into a new house. Our tenant moved into, you know, it was a perfect situation as far as the rental was covering our mortgage and the HELOC and we're making a little bit of money um, towards like CapEx and reserves. But then, you know, I had to go and have a long conversation with my tenant about, you know, all these, this talk of, you know, not having to pay your rent. And this was our first tenant, like in this home. So it was definitely tricky. 
he moved in March 15th, 2020. Like we were freaking out. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what did we just do? Is this guy going to pay rent? So, on and yeah. so, forth. so it sounds like you guys did okay then. Um, yeah, he stayed there for two years, never missed a, never missed a payment, ended up becoming a, a kind of a friend of mine and a client. I helped him purchase a home and then still in touch today. Yeah. So, But yeah, so, so then when we did that, we did have quite like three new projects, like you just said. But I think the fact that it was COVID, it did sort of save us in a way. You know, we didn't have commute time in the morning. Um, we were Zoom teaching at our projects. So at the time, we were doing a lot of the rehab ourselves. We have since, you know, scaled and now have full-time contractors that work for us. But um, at the time, I, you know, we would demo a wall. Then we'd be like, hi, kids. Um, and we would start teaching on Zoom. So it was kind of a crazy time. But, you know, everybody says that they were like, you know, binge watching Netflix and stuff during that time. Like, I don't even remember watching TV. You know, it, we were we were just so, so busy, but we were so determined and motivated um, and focused on our goal. And I think the fact that we were home together, you know, we weren't, you know, vacationing and you know, we weren't really seeing other people spending that much money. So we were really uber focused on our, our goals. So one becomes three. And I'm assuming you bird the three and the three become five or nine or how, how did that go? Yeah. So once we and I, I think I, I never want to say we got lucky, but our first one was worked like so perfectly. It was it was kind of scary that it worked so perfectly. So then we, it like really built our confidence. And then we, you know, we bought the next two. And uh, one of those was a personal residence as, at the same time. <clears throat> but yeah, after that, once we were able to get tenants in place, you know, we were able to refinance and uh, we pulled, pulled out a good chunk. I think it was like 160,000. We were able to pull back out and then we bought, a four unit, another single family, two duplexes. And then after that, we were able to kind of get into some of that creative finance uh, that you mentioned a little bit about. That's crazy. So out of, was it 20 units or was it 20 properties? That you didn't do units. 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 Okay. So it's about, about three years total. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so wild. How many of those units need a renovation? Oh. <laughs> Every single one. The, the, the one that we bought in Florida was probably the least amount of renovation. And actually, the first one we did was probably That's a so small crazy. amount of, of, of renovation. But still, we're looking at 15 to 30 we're, grand. Yeah, but, we're talking about not demoing walls. But, you know, yeah. it was still, they were or still flooring, cosmetic. Paint, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you guys are in the Chicago area, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how many of your units are there? And how, like you mentioned, Florida being you know, where one of the units are. So kind of give me a layout of where geographically speaking, the, the units are. Uh, most of them are in Chicago land. We have, you know, a few in the burbs, a couple in Chicago, as far out as DeKalb and Peoria within Illinois and even Effingham. And then we have Wisconsin, uh, Northern Wisconsin and Florida. Awesome. So some of those we ended up converting into short-term rentals. So some of those three, initial three, um, we converted one of them into a short-term rental. That one was in Downers Grove, Illinois. And at the time, short-term rentals were allowed. That has since changed. Um, however, 
uh, we were doing really, really well with it. We weren't sure this was a residential area. We weren't really sure how it was going to go, and it went really well. And so then we kind of started converting more and more into short-term rentals. And once we did that, um, you know, we were kind of stuck on getting loans because we were just getting regular loans. We didn't have connections with hard money lenders. And so then we started looking into um, the second home loans, which are 10% down. And so that's how we acquired our Florida property. Um, I was still teaching. And so I was able to actually somehow get two second home loans while being a teacher. Surprise, surprise. I don't know. I guess they're pretty flexible on that. If you pay your bills, I guess. I don't know. Um, So I was able to get a second home loan on the Florida property, which is only 10% down. And then um, we were able to get a 10% down loan, a second home loan on our, it's like an A-frame near Wisconsin Dells. Um, But that one had an extensive rehab and was a long project, but well worth it now. Our biggest one for by far. <laughs> Amazing. This, this is such a, a fast growth trajectory. What, what happened to you guys as people? I mean, you mentioned not watching TV, all these kinds of things. Like how did you have to change to be able to accommodate this much rehab? You know, you're, you're doing teaching and um, you're doing um, agent work. Like what had to, what had to change? You know, I think our personality and our character has kind of helped us get through this. You know, I've always been, a, I don't know, I guess a go-getter type of person. And you know, just being involved in sports and other things, like I was kind of used to the like get up at five in the morning, go to practice, go to school, come back, go to practice again type of like routine. Um, so it, I guess to, to that point, it didn't change that much. But I mean, the stress just kind of, figuring it out at like on the run too, you know, uh, a lot of the rehab stuff, like we were familiar with, but learning at the same time, um, all the whole like money stuff. I mean, we were just reading books, the tax, I read two different tax strategy books, you know, just trying to understand how we can, you know, benefit from what we're doing even more. Um, so I think the biggest change was we had to do a lot of like learning on our own, like educating ourselves, like, we both have two master's degrees and I think I read more books in my entire life in the last three years than I've read previous. And, you know, having two master's degrees that you'd think you'd have written, read many more. But um, I think that was the biggest change for me. It's just kind of, okay, I have to, I have to learn this on my own. There's no one that can go teach me, you know, Um, but I don't know about that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the perspective too, I mean, we live in a, you know, a really great neighborhood. I mean, it's a wealthy area. And I think, you know, when people hear that we, you know, we have 20 doors and I think the, you know, perspective is, you know, we're buying diamonds and like, you know, driving like uh, Teslas or whatever. I don't know. Um, but our car is old. <laughs> like we yes. live in a nice house in a great neighborhood. Um, but we really do kind of look at our own expenses, just our day-to-day stuff. Um, we don't splurge on things like, you know, clothes or, you know, we don't have cable, uh, you know, you know, we're streaming things, but what we do kind of look at, or we've had to look at expenses, you know, now more and more the cash flow is coming in. So we're starting to be a little bit more lax with certain things, but for a while, like, you know, you know, we were paying construction costs, you know, out of pocket. So our, our little A-frame was $60,000 rehab. Plus, you know, it was almost $20,000 to get the property. So 
that was, you know, every penny that we were, you know, we were making, we were putting into this property. So I think, you know, some house projects, um, you know, ha we're on a delay and, you know, but that's okay. But, you know, it's, it's that delayed gratification piece Absolutely. that, you know. Yeah. Delayed gratification is so huge. And like, also the concept, like, I just remember like thinking when I was younger, if I got to a million dollar net worth, like the world would be like different colors, you know, you get to a million dollar net worth, especially in today's prices, you're like, okay, I mean, this is better than not having a million dollars, but this does not solve all my problems, right? Maybe 10 million or 20 million. But um, one of the things that I, I think, obviously the sacrifice, but uh, particularly you being a woman, and maybe this is um, not a good generalization, but like you were willing to live in construction, right? And I know maybe guys, maybe more are willing to do that. Uh, when we did a huge 4,000 square foot reno and we lived in it, like, I can't tell you the number of people are like, to, to, to my wife, how could you do this, right? Were you getting a lot of that? Like, how oh, was yeah. it for you living in a reno for years? I mean, even in our own house, we moved out out of the initial one that we got the HELOC on. We moved into another fixer-upper. So, you know, we had no kitchen for at least six, you know, six weeks. Um, but you just have to deal. And I think that, you know, our kids are now six and eight. They're they're, they've been around construction their whole life. They're totally used to it. They're used to looking at properties. Um, and kids, you know, they can just immerse, you know, in whatever kind of environment, as long as, you know, there's love and security and everything like that. And I, I think it's funny because people will say, well, how do you even live through that? And I'm like, I do that too. Like, I am serious. I dumped a lot of these walls. We yeah. were, you know, at, at a certain point, Blaine got really good. Um, at like tiling and working on bathrooms. So like every time we were looking at deals that just needed like a, a bathroom rehab, like this is great. So we would try to find, um, when we were looking at more cosmetic deals, like, okay, let's find something that needs a new bathroom. You can do that. And I would be painting, um, you know, those rentals, but the same thing with, with living through that. But you know, you just, I think you, you can't care about what other people think, right? Like it's just, it's, it's so much more, there's so much more out there and there's so much more knowledge. And I think that podcast for me too, I know Blaine mentioned books, we, we read and listen to, you know, audible books, but I think listening to podcasts and like listening to other people that are going through it, you know, such as yours, like, you know, you're not the only one, like, you don't, you shouldn't care about, you know, what your next door neighbor or whatever things like nobody, you don't care. Does it matter? There's like yeah. such a bigger picture out there. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. 
As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And, and so let's talk about that bigger picture, right? Because it's a lot of times it's a focus on something different, right? You're not focused on having this always things being clean or, or a certain way. Like what was your focus in this process to, to be able to do this? Mine, for sure, I think we both would agree that it's all about time and, mm-hmm. and having that freedom to kind of use your time however you want. And, you know, once I started reading some of those books, like I just rec- I loved teaching. I, I, I really did. Like I still do, you know, and I still kind of consider myself a teacher even now. But um, just being locked, being trapped and, and, and then this like, oh, this pension that's kind of dangling there and can't get rid of this pension. And, and it just the bigger picture for me was like, I need to be able to control my time the way I want to. My kids are young. They're going to get into that age where I really want to be involved. And even though like over those first, those couple of years, I mean, we were nonstop, you know, like wake up, go to school, come back, see clients, work on properties, you know, come home, have dinner. You know, it was really hard to kind of manage that time. So that was really, I think that's my biggest goal is to have that just freedom of time and Yeah, I mean, for us as well, and and we did, you know, we did get that taste of the freedom of time being teachers because we would have the summers off. Um, But, you know, it it was like, I think there's just so much more political stuff with it than just the actual teaching. So now it's nice, like, he and I are both very, very involved in our kids' um, extracurricular activities. So I am, you know, helping teach Girl Scouts. So I'm still getting that teacher feel. Blaine is coaching for a lot of our kids' activities where every sporting event. Um, but for me, too, I think once we had kids, um, just kind of just wrapping my brain around like, okay, you know, being there in the morning, being there, there to pick them up from school, making sure that, you know, they're they're getting to and from their activities. Um, you know, we were just kind of wanted more flexibility to do that. Um, you know, and, but still be able to teach if we want to. So we're like, okay, well, if anything we can sub or, you know, we can go teach an online class or, um, volunteer, but not necessarily, you know, you have to be here and you can't take a day off or, you know, you know, you have to drive in the snow or whatever, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. So let's switch into mindset. So obviously you guys are passionate about mindset as well. What were some of the mindset or limiting beliefs you had to overcome for you to do what you do? And then let's go into the mindset problems that you help other people solve. Well, for me, I had a lot of limiting beliefs, like just about leaving teaching or just that whole, you know, what if, what if negative, right? What if I get no clients? What if, you know, and now we can't pay for our mortgage. So I had a lot of that. And like she kind of mentioned, I don't know if it, if there's a difference or not, but being an immigrant, like she was more of the, you got this, like, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And, uh, I needed a lot of like security to, to really make that happen. And, Having her was a great benefit because I think that was a good, you know, voice in my head. Whereas like my parents and some other people were like, don't ever quit teaching. What are you doing? You know, there's a pension. You're going to leave that. Like, oh my gosh, like rentals, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And then just reading lots of books around 
mindset, you know, I, atomic habits and like so many other books that, you know, who, not how, and just, just strategies to help you understand that. Yeah, you can do this. It's not, you, you don't have to always think what if negative, you got to kind of focus more on what if positive. And, yeah. and that was a big help for me. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that. So yes, I, I was an immigrant. So when I was younger, we moved to the U S when I was six and, um, my parents basically took all their cash, um, from my grandfather's business and my dad's business back in Poland where we were about middle-class and, uh, we came here and were robbed. And so we were really, really poor. And my parents were trying to move out of my grandma's place. Cause we were all kind of jammed in my, in my grandma's apartment and kind of bounced around. I feel like we moved, I don't know, every few months into a different apartment. And a few of those were actually like cockroach infested apartments. So um, I think that when we were taking some of those big steps into like, for example, you know, we, we rented out our home and then we moved into another home. It was a bigger home, but it, you know, it was needed a full rehab. Well, Blaine was like, well, what if this doesn't work out? I'm like, okay, well, then we're going to move out of our 2,500 square foot home and we'll move back into the 1,600 square foot home and it's going to be okay. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? I think he needed that reminder. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, we're not going to be like homeless on the street. Like, we'll figure it out. Right. Um, and I was sort of like that in college too. You know, I, I like similar to Blaine with, you know, his drive, I had to work three, you know, three jobs. I paid for my own college. My parents couldn't afford that. Um, I worked three jobs in college and, um, and it was, I mean, I was just like insanely busy. I paid off for all of my college by the time I finished school. Um, and I can't believe I did that. And then when I was struggling to be able to pay off for college, I figured out there was such a magical thing as a 0% credit card. And so I applied and I, I got a 0% credit card. So I was able to pay it off by the end of the year. So I was able to space out those payments. And so when we first started investing, that was kind of something that we bounced back on. He's like, well, we don't have the funds right now. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get a 0% credit card. They have those. And he's like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? So I think some of your past experiences, they kind of follow you and if you know, you, and you kind of build on that and you build on it and you build on it and that's, you know, and that's growth. 100%. It actually reminds me of an exercise we would do with our kids, right? I mean, like, because what, what I'm taking away from this is, is when you've had worse, right? You've experienced worse in life, then, then all of a sudden that challenge is not as bad, right? So like, right. for example, when we would have our kids not want to eat certain foods that were healthy for them, we would actually go even more stringent, right? We would go, okay, all right, you don't want to eat this. Now you're going to only eat something worse so that that salad yeah. actually tastes pretty good, right? It sounds like it's almost like a little bit of that. Like if you have enough adversity early on in life, it just sets you up to be able to move into these construction projects. And it's like, Hey, this was even better than when I was younger. Like, was there obvious correlation for you there on that? Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's talk about others now. I mean, cause obviously you guys got in a rhythm, you guys put all your, you, you educated yourself, you put yourself all in, it's working magically, especially after the first one. Like it, now it might almost even seem easy to you. Like how do you translate this knowledge to others, you know, um, to help them on their journey? Well, I, th I think one of the biggest, I, I don't know if it's the biggest, but one of the biggest impact that, that we've kind of had on others is Lily started this like really kind of random Facebook for investors group back right when COVID hit and we were all kind of learning together. And we really, it, it grew to like 
few hundred people that were just kind of popping on and off. And, and we all just kind of like networked. It wasn't really like a specific focus really. And then it did get to like where she was actually having, you know, some bigger named investors like come on and, and join, which was really great. And then myself as a realtor, like working with other investors, like I, I love seeing people be successful. So when I have a young investor and I see them in analysis paralysis and like, I, I just have that urge to help them understand and to get rid of those limiting beliefs. So I think that's another area, you know, we're on social media all the time, uh, you know, on Instagram, TikTok. we're trying to kind of show not only what we do, but offer information. So I think that's another area too, where we try to give back and help people out. Yeah, we're very we're very active on Instagram where we have a, a YouTube channel and podcast coming out called Crushing It with the Cosex. Uh yeah, Crushing yeah. It with a K. Um so you guys can check that out soon. But um we do I mean like I did start that meetup. I think that was really really great for I mean really great for us to meet other people that were doing this especially during COVID. And it did just kind of grow. I ended up networking with so many um, investors that were like, so you guys know a lot about some of the short-term rental space because we had one and then we kind of converted some more rentals into, you know, short-term rentals and I furnished them and everything. Um, and eventually one, one investor was like, well, who furnishes all of these properties? And I'm like, well, I do. And, uh, and they said, well, who manages them? And I was like, well, we do. And they were like, well, do you want, could you furnish and manage mine? I'm like, absolutely. And so, uh, that, that really scaled into uh, a business. So I opened up, um, my business is called uh, Mindset Management, LLC. And uh, I went from managing one property to 20 in one year for other investors, short-term rentals. And now we're at 30, no, it's been a year, year and a half. Now we're at 37, a year and a half, 37 listings total. I think seven of them are ours though. So we went to 30 listings in less than a year and a half. Um, so Referral yeah, so we managed those. For, yeah. Part, yeah. I mean, I think it was just, yeah. And then you got to meet one, you know, investor and then they were like, well, here, meet my friend. And I think now it's just like, I don't even call them like investors or clients. Like most of them are just my friends. Like, okay, I'm like, oh, my friend has another property coming up. I'm going to furnish it for her and I'll manage it for her. And that's it, you know, and she's going to make, you know, three to $4,000 in that every month and she's happy and I'm happy. So, um, but that really helped me, you know, propel forward. And I was like, I, there's no way I can go back to teaching. Like I can't, like I can't teach. I have to choose one. Um, which was kind of crazy because it really escalated. But I think going back to what you were saying before about, you know, we were super focused on a certain number. So we were like, okay, we'll meet like at, the, at first it was like Blaine makes X amount. So we need this amount of cash flow to come in every month. Um, and just, you know, like with, we didn't even count his realtor business at the time. You know, we were just saying like, okay, just hypothetically, if I don't know, he's not making any money as a realtor, like this is what we need. Um, and he got to that, he got close to that number. And then his realtor business was really, really explosive, exploding. So he built his team and everything. And so then he's like, okay, so we're close enough. We're fine. And so he stepped away. And then with me, it was the same thing. But after I picked up just a couple of clients, you know, I realized I'm like, oh, that covers my entire salary plus some. So you know, it, it made sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, now, what is your guys' vision for the next 12 to 18 months? Obviously, you've got a thriving property portfolio. You've got a management business that's doing really well. What's the vision for the next 12 to 18 months? I really just want to get everything kind of stabilized and kind of working for itself because I, I feel like we're still kind of working in that business, um, you know, as far as like we we have a few more units that we still need to rehab and tenant turnovers and things like that. Uh, once we get all those units stabilized and kind of working on their own, I think we, we're still always on the hunt for more properties. So um, definitely looking to pick up a few more properties. We have a potential subject to deal that we're looking at right now. So um, different areas of that. And then, as you know, we're being educators, we love teaching and just getting out there and just kind of offering assistance to, you know, because so many people helped us along the way, you know, just kind of giving back in that same way and just offering you know, our assistance and our help and our knowledge. So, yeah, we have our YouTube um, channel and podcast coming out soon, but most most of it is really just to teach others kind of what we learn. I think we know different aspects of the business at this point. We know a little bit about the construction. We know about the short-term rental, about the birth strategy, um, about being a realtor, about being an entrepreneur. And so I think that there's a lot of value that we could add to other people. And so, you know, my team for my, my business, for my management business has, has definitely grown, which is great. Um, and I, you know, now we're going to be focused on trying to, you know, kind of educate others kind of like, you know, these books and, and podcasts and everything have been educating us along the way and making us feel more comfortable with what we're doing when our families were telling us we were crazy. Right. In, in facing well, we are, that, right? We are a little crazy. We are a little crazy. Well, and it, it's amazing too because people are telling you you're crazy, and it's probably easy to believe that, right, in the moment because you're living in a house that doesn't have a kitchen and and all these types yep. of things. But you know, kudos to you guys for sticking through it. And obviously, it seems like it's paid out ex- incredibly well for you guys. So, uh, Lillian Blaine, thank you for coming on the show. Um, for those of you out there listening, please write down some stuff you learned from today. Maybe it's just creating. Uh, experiences for yourself that allow you to do the hard things in life that get you to freedom, um, like Lillian Blaine, like leaving the teaching, educating yourself, taking the risks, et cetera. Um, but write down what you learned from today's episode, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, so awesome. Um, Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 